inspiring, bold, progress, movement. These are just a few words that come to mind when I think about all of the collective action happening in the streets, on the picket lines, and on the shop floor. Working people in Oregon and across this country are fed up with a rigged economic system that isn't working for them, and they're doing something about it. Unions are gaining in popularity at levels not seen in 50 years. More workers are taking bold action at work than at any time since the 1980s. It's exciting, it's important, and it gives me a lot of hope for what working people can accomplish when we stand together. I'm Graham Trainer, Oregon AFL-CIO president, and you're listening to The Voice of Oregon's Workers, a monthly podcast from the Oregon AFL-CIO. As the State Federation of Labor Unions in Oregon, we proudly represent over 300,000 working people in every facet of our state's economy, and we serve as a strong voice for all workers, whether they have a union on the job or not. We're here to bring you the stories every month about the people and the organizations who are changing what it means to stand together and build power for working people. All right, well, let's let's just jump into it here. I'm Russell Sanders, Communications Director for the Oregon AFL-CIO, and on this month's episode, we are joined by two incredible advocates in the fight for immigrants' rights. The Oregon AFL-CIO has been adv- advocating for immigrants' rights for some time now, and we have passed resolutions in support of DACA and comprehensive immigration reform, and partnered with CAUSA on various programs over the years. We're working to expand these efforts, which you'll hear more about on this episode. Immigration is a topic which immediately brings out strong opinions. When discussed in the media, it all too often leaves immigrant workers vulnerable, unfairly characterized, and feeling attacked. Every day we see headlines about children being ripped away from their parents, asylum seekers turned away from refuge, threats to the DREAMers, that's the young folks who are in the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, or DACA, Uh, which the Supreme Court is currently uh, considering ending, and also raids by ICE at workplaces and homes. That's why the work that we are discussing today is so vitally important. As the Oregon AFL-CIO and Oregon's union movement, we stand shoulder to shoulder with organizations like CAUSA, PICUN, and others who are leading the fights for justice, dignity, respect, and safety for immigrants. To quote our president, Graham Trainer. We strongly condemn any effort, be it through the Supreme Court, Congress, or in state legislatures to criminalize young people in the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, or any immigrant worker. It's our duty as the labor movement to defend all working people, regardless of the country where they were born, or the color of their skin, their religion, or who they fall in love with. So, today we're discussing immigration, DACA, the public charge, and how labor unions and advocates for economic and social justice can help with this important cause. I'd like to go ahead and welcome our guests to the episode. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Alma Raya Santana. I am the lead organizer and legislative specialist for the Oregon AFL-CIO. And hi, uh, my name is Denise Pisa. I am the new Oregon Ready Coalition Manager for CAUSA Oregon. I've been in this role since September and really enjoying being a part of this wonderful organization. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast. It's great having you both here today. Denise, can you give us an overview of the issues CALSA and Oregon Ready are tackling right now? Yes. So since 1995, CAUSA has worked to improve the lives of Latino immigrants and their families in Oregon. 
through advocacy, coalition building, leadership development, and civic engagement. Latino immigrants and their families are the heart of GAUSA and inspire, implement, and champion our work. Oregon Ready is a statewide coalition working to advance immigrant inclusion through collaboration. Members include legal service providers, policy experts, advocacy organizations, rapid response networks, community-based and faith-based organizations, and agencies that are concerned with immigrant rights and litigation. GAUSA has four areas where our work is focused. Uh, these are coalition building, civic engagement, leadership development and community organizing, and policy and advocacy. I manage and provide support to the Oregon Ready Coalition, and currently we have been front and center in fighting for rights of immigrant communities, uh, providing as much information and education around many issues, including public charge, know your rights, universal representation, uh, rapid response, and addressing the constant attacks on immigrant communities from the current administration. Thank you so much, Denise, for your explanation and for the important work you're doing for immigrants. Alma, can you give our listeners an overview of the many things you do here at the Oregon AFL-CIO? Yeah, um, part of my work consists of assisting affiliates with internal and external organizing campaigns. So I'm lucky to be able to talk to workers from various industries and learn more about their everyday work, which really helps me understand where are the areas where we should be doing more work, whether it is through organizing or policy. Um, I also get to support our team in the legislative session, ensuring that we pass pro-worker state laws that, that don't leave working people behind, including laws that protect the most vulnerable workers, which a lot of the times are within the immigrant community. Thank you, Alma. Um, at our convention in 2019, we passed a resolution about immigration. Why was that important? And what does the resolution do? Um, you know, this is very a very crucial time to support immigrant workers. We have seen attack after attack from the Trump administration towards the most hardworking and vulnerable workers. As you mentioned earlier, children are getting, getting separated from their families. People are going through to work with the fear of not coming back, let alone the fact that employers are aware of this fear and they often use it to retaliate, um, to steal wages, uh, and to really do the cheap labor that will get them the most profits. Uh, with all this in mind, we passed this resolution to better assist workers and lift the working standards for everyone and really have no, leave no choice for employers to take advantage of workers um, and do cheap labor. As we continue to talk about this, the labor movement believes that an injury to one is an injury to all. So this resolution encourages union members and leaders to stand with uh, immigrant workers and union members who are who continue to be targeted by racist and harmful policies. It also calls the Oregon AFL-CIO to convene leaders to find ways to support immigrant members for us to continue to work in partnerships with GAUSA and other community organizations who are taking the lead on this work. Thank you so much for explaining that. Uh, Denise, you touched on public charge when you spoke about the work you're engaged in. It's a really important rule change, potential rule change, and what a lot of advocates are concerned about is the complexity of the change. It's creating a lot of fear uh, and misinformation in folks. Um, the public charge itself isn't new, but the criteria might be changing. 
Can you give us the details on what's happening with this? Yeah, so like you mentioned, uh, the public charge is not a new rule. It's not a new concept. Some form of public charge, the idea or the test, has been around for a very long time. And it's always been used to keep people out who the government decides it wants to keep out. Uh, so public charge is a test immigration officials apply when deciding deciding if an immigrant will be permitted to enter or stay in the country and whether or not the individual will become a public charge or rely on the primarily on the government for sustenance. Use of public benefits is one factor that is used in the public charge test. With this in mind, what the recent changes that have now been blocked were intending to do was to expand the definition of public charge, expand the list of public benefits that count in the public charge test, and expand the public charge test to make it harder for people to pass if they were not already wealthy when taking this test. However, Multiple federal judges blocked the rule from going into effect because of the many lawsuits that were filed against the new rule. As of today, the proposed new public charge rule is still not in effect uh, for people who apply to become permanent residents from inside the U.S. Uh, federal judges blocked the new public charge rule from going into effect across the whole country. And so this rule did not start on October 15th. Uh, 2019, and it will not start until federal judges or possibly the U.S. Supreme Court says the rule can go into effect. So the public charge rule that currently applies is the rule that has been in place since before the proposed new rule was intended to be implemented. What is important for everyone to remember is this plain language message. The new public charge rule is not in effect yet. The public charge rule does not apply to every immigrant. Uh, many public benefits do not count towards the public charge. Public benefits your children or other family members get do not count against you in the public charge test. And simply getting public charge benefits alone does not make you a public charge. Um, it's very important that we stay informed. Things can change as they do all the time. And remembering that you are not alone. There's help. There's organizations that are working to keep us informed, to keep us up to date, and to provide the most relevant information. Thank you for that explanation. Um, so when you said it doesn't apply to every type of immigrant, um, can you expand on that? So most immigrants do not qualify to get public charge benefits unless they are in the uh, category of immigrants who are exempt from having to take the public charge test. And uh, the immigrants that are exempt are refugees and asylees, survivors of trafficking, violence, and other serious crimes, or the T and U visa applicants or holders, uh, VAWA self-petitioners, uh, certain people paroled into the U.S., um, special immigrant juveniles, uh, people who are already legal permanent residents or green card holders and do not leave the U.S. for more than 180 consecutive days. 
people who are legal permanent residents and are applying for the U.S. citizenship and legal permanent residents who need to renew their green card. So as we can see, this there's many more than this, but there is a long list of immigrants that do not have to go through the public charge test. Sure, sure. And I think that's you know, uh, definitely important for people to learn that information. Where, where can folks go to learn more about what benefits count against you in public charge and this other important information? It seems like a really complicated issue. Yes, yeah, so we have the Oregon Immigration Resource website, so OregonImmigrationResource.org. On there, you can find the October 8th webinar for Oregon service providers. It provides a recording and PowerPoint presentation that breaks down public charge as a like, uh, 101 public charge webinar. And we also have the follow-up webinar that will be posted soon uh, that explains what has happened since the public charge rule did not go into effect, the new rule. Um, we also have the Oregon Law Center and Legal Aid Services of Oregon Public Benefits Hotline, which is 1-800-520-5292. Uh, individuals that are um, wondering uh, whether or not public benefits are impacting them or anything, any questions around public charge can call this hotline. Um, we have the Oregon Public Charge Fact Sheet available on the website as well. Uh, the State of Oregon's Frequently Asked Questions on Public Charge and Ongoing Updates um, on OHA, and a list of Oregon immigration attorneys that can answer questions around public charge or other issues. Um, we can also follow the National Protecting Immigrant Families campaign at www.protectimmigrantfamilies.org, and they provide many resources that are very helpful. Awesome. Yeah, we'll make sure to put links to all that stuff in the in the description of the episode so it's easy to find for folks listening to the show. Alma, how can uh, unions help with this issue, and what can we do to get this information out to members who might be impacted? Yeah, so I think we are very, very, very lucky to have so many community organizations already doing all of the work. Mm -hmm. So how we can be the most helpful is spreading the word. Um, Causa has put up a, a worksheet with more resources and everything and the basic stuff that people can spread out in multiple languages. And I think this is how it is important to be part of the immigrant workers task force that the resolution I mentioned earlier um, is doing because we can we can keep each other posted and updated with new information that at this point it's coming up like monthly I believe um, so just spreading the word through emails through social media through bulletin boards everywhere because these people are here working and a lot of the times uh, people don't want to get involved in anything related to the government with fears that they will be targeted so if someone gets injured at, at the job it's important to let them know that they should be able to to do a workers comp claim and not fear of retaliation or not fear that it's going to affect them on their immigration case all right so we are waiting for the united states supreme court to decide the future of the daca program so daca is the deferred action for childhood arrivals program 
It is an immigration option for undocumented immigrants who came to the United States before the age of 16, although DACA does not provide a pathway to lawful permanent residence, it does provide temporary protection from deportation, work authorization, and the ability to apply for a social security number. The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, DACA, has faced many threats and experienced significant changes since it began in 2012. There are many resources, including toolkits, that can inform DACA recipients about their rights, uh, as well as providing information for other community members on how they can support DACA recipients during these challenging times. You can find these toolkits and updates and much more information on DACA at Immigrant Legal Resource Center, www.ilrc.org. Thank you so much. Alma, why is DACA an especially important issue to you personally? And why is it such a critical program? I am actually a DACA recipient. I have, I came here when I was 11 years old. And although I don't qualify for a lot of programs, like Denise mentioned, it gives me um, a social security number. It gives me a work permit that allows me to do all the uh, work that we're doing right now to lift up uh, the voices of all of the workers in Oregon. Um, and I'm not the only one. There are 700,000 other DACA recipients across the country that they're here. There are neighbors, there are co-workers, there are students, um, there are friends. And as a labor movement, it is our duty to protect all of these workers. I agree. Thank you so much. Um, Anti-immigrant sentiment and legislation to support that sentiment is rising in this country. Um, it makes the work that you're both doing even more important and I think it really just raises the stakes for any conversation around immigration. Um, I'd like to ask both of you, how can allies and supporters help? What can we do to counter the waves of anti-immigration messages that we see everywhere? I think some of the ways that, that uh, people are able to help are to volunteer, support, and donate to organizations such as GAUSA uh, that are currently working on addressing these issues. You can visit GAUSAOregon.org for more ways to support and also for connections to other organizations. Uh, you can also support candidates that are running for office that represent the, the <laughs> that represent the communities that are impacted by anti-immigrant messages, making sure that you're not only standing with the candidates uh, to help them get elected, but also providing the support and holding space for them during their term becomes very important. And this is something that I can say from personal experience. That's fantastic. Alma? Yeah, I think everything that Denise say, said is very important. Um, even volunteering to go to an event, to go to a rally, to be there for um, the community is very important. But I also want to highlight again how uh, being part of the immigrant worker task force can be helpful in this. We, we can talk about the different ways that we can go and support CAUSA, that we can go and um, get involved when it comes to electing people that will better assist immig the immigrant community. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, 
And that the immigration resource task force is definitely something we want to see lots of Oregon AFL-CIO affiliates um, participate in, uh, especially if you have membership who um, are immigrants. I, I think this is a great way for us to do what unions do best, that stand together and find ways to protect working people. Um, one of the things that's been inspiring to me, though, is seeing communities stand together to protect the rights of immigrants. Um, and I think that happens in a lot of different ways. Are you two seeing any trends or anything particularly exciting around communities standing together to protect the rights of immigrants? Yeah, one of the things that has come from this has been Oregon Ready Forming. So many other organizations and coalitions are doing the same across the nation. Um, Oregon Ready actually started in 2017 after the results of the 2016 election. Uh, we saw more fear in our communities and more threats from the current administration on internal and external enforcement. It was expanded from Portland Ready, which was a similar model in Portland created after DACA and DAPA came about to be able to coordinate the various organizations and providers working on those issues. So uh, we are seeing other organizations or um, coalitions forming across the, the nation, uh, which is very important in order to be able to protect uh, the rights of immigrants. Uh, we've also seen an increase in elected officials that represent our communities, which is very important when we start addressing the issues that directly impact our communities. Absolutely. And I think if, if you live in a state that has one of those organizations, you know, helping out with, with them is great. If you live in a community that has an organization like that, if not, you know, maybe find people who think the way that you do and start one up. Um, it's always good to see more of that stuff popping up and more people helping each other out. Um, so this is our, our last question here, and I, I'm curious personally, um, will Oregonians have any opportunities to help this cause in the upcoming 2020 legislative session, that's the short convening of the Oregon legislature that happens in February, or through voting um, on the 2020 ballot? Well, one opportunity that Oregonians are going to have in 2020 is going to be a very important year. We have the census, and CAUSA is going to be a part of making sure we count everyone. Census day is April 1st, 2020, and by this date, you will have received an invitation to respond by mail, by phone, or online. Um, each person identified in the census yields approximately 3,200 per person in federal funding each year. Those funds go towards uh, relocating uh, congressional seats, redistricting, uh, distributing more than six hundred seventy five billion in federal funds annually uh, to support states counties and communities vital programs uh, that impact housing education transportation employment health care and public policy so this is why it is so important that we make sure to count everyone and support we count oregon's efforts in making sure everyone gets counted and this includes our hard to count communities 10% uh, of Oregonians were born outside of the U.S., and given the current xenophobic and Islamophobic and anti-immigrant sentiment in national politics, people born outside of the U.S. have every right to feel fearful about the census and how this data may be used. So immigrant communities are a critical component of a healthy and thriving Oregon, and they need that additional in-person engagement to understand that the census is a safe and meaningful um, way to impact their lives. 
Um, this is why it is important for organizations to provide this culturally appropriate information and to provide account that is in person and relevant to our communities. Okay, yeah, I hadn't even thought about the census in 2020. Uh, that's so much work that CALSA has on your plate and such an important issue um, to get the right information out to folks so they're not fearful um, and that, you know, the census can do what it's supposed to do. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to thank both of you for being here today, for talking about these issues. Um, it's, like I said in the introduction of the episode, you know, this immigration brings out really, I think, strong opinions in people. And the more we can put the facts out there, um, talk about what the real issues are here, um, I think the better the better off we'll all be. Um, so again, thank you. Um, I want to thank folks for listening to the podcast. Um, if you're enjoying this episode and have not yet subscribed, please do so. Please share it on social media. And above all else, we are really looking for folks to leave positive reviews on iTunes. Um, five stars, positive review if you enjoy what we're doing so that more people can listen to what we're putting out each month uh, when it comes to how working people stand together to make positive change. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.